0: It's another episode of Classic Movies Live, and this week we have a classic horror movie for you. This is a movie about an exorcism. That's right, it's The Conjuring from 2013. Uh, This movie is based on two real people who exist. We don't really have the full story on that. The full story exists. Uh, Neither me or Pierre is necessarily experts in, uh, are necessarily experts on Ed and Lorraine Warren, so we're not going to get too, too much into the story this was based on. But instead of that, we're going to talk a lot about how James Wan has turned this story into sort of a template for modern horror. This is a really cool one for me to watch yesterday for the first time. Uh, Pierre has seen it many, many, many times, at least six, as he says. And... Um, this is a big one. We This is definitely one where we had a lot to talk about. A lot of just cool points to go through. I'm excited. I think this is one of our better conversations in a while. And uh, it's about a horror movie. And it's October. So I hope you're ready to hear about The Conjuring. And before that, I hope you're ready to hear the song, the theme from The Conjuring. This, this song is called The
1: Conjuring.
0: To another episode of classic movies live the pre-recorded show where as we are recording this it is october and october means we gotta do horror movies and uh we haven't done we, we haven't done only horror movies so far so that's that's something we gotta we gotta fix anyway joining me today is a very special guest you know him from every other episode of this show pierre welcome to the show
1: oh hello thanks for having me
0: how, how how you doing today?
1: I'm okay. It's a Sunday morning, so, you know, eyes are a little bleary. But I am never too tired to talk about The Conjuring.
0: Hell yeah. I actually had not seen this movie. I'm excited. I, I like Patrick Wilson a lot, and I feel like I have not seen anywhere near enough Patrick Wilson movies. So this was... Uh, talking about The Conjuring today was a good excuse to fix that.
1: Yeah, Patrick Wilson's actually, like, an amazing... I've liked him and I've loved him and everything like this kind of a fun fact, but he was very close to getting the role of Captain America, which I can very much see in all of his roles because he's very good at playing like the stoic hero. That's good because I I saw him in The Conjuring and I don't know if you've seen Fargo the show, but he's in season two of Fargo and he's amazing. I mean, that's just an amazing, it's one of the best seasons of TV like, ever in my opinion, Mm -hmm. but he's also, like, an amazing straight man to all the wackiness going on. But he's really good in that role, too. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. He just has this, like, very calming presence, which I think works amazing in the... in this franchise, because, you know, in horror movies, there's this hesitance to add characters that are, you know, mentally stable, because, like, in in horror movies, you need to keep the audience on its toes, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what's like makes the Conjuring franchise so special is that you have Lorraine and uh what's what's his name? Ed. Ed. Ed and Lorraine. And they're kind of they feel like a safe safety web amidst all the madness. And that's one of I mean that's one of the special things that I think James Wan adds to make the Conjuring, you know, such a special movie, I guess. And I'd say it's definitely one of the if i was to introduce the horror genre to anyone uh for the first time i would definitely show them the conjuring first like that's without a doubt in my mind so i would say it's a it's a classic horror movie in my mind.
0: yeah and actually i wanted to talk a little bit about james wan i think that his approach to horror is is really cool cuz like i think that uh when i was watching the conjuring i was definitely expecting Um, This being a horror movie from 2013 and me being just a little bit out of sync with current horror trends. Like, I was expecting it to be, you know, a lot of jump scares and uh, a lot of, like, kind of schlock. But with James Wan, it's not that those things aren't there, but he goes about putting them in in a very interesting way. Like, I would say that The Conjuring has maybe one thing i would consider a a traditional jump scare and other than that it builds up to them a lot but it never like it specifically like builds up these scares and then doesn't deliver on them in a way that makes them even worse when it actually does start getting scary and like worse in a good way i mean like gets it makes them scarier
1: yeah well i james one he seems to be really good at just I'd say taking these ridiculous concepts and making them, I'd say adds like a a layer of uh, maturity to it, I wanna say. I I don't know, Mm -hmm. like, it's just the Conjuring felt like it was directed by like an auteur director in a way. You know, like, there's a lot more thought into the shots, there's a lot more thought into the character um, arcs in the movie, there's a lot more thought in. the acting and like there's there's just in the pacing like like there's a story being told and i think in so many horror movies it's just like let's get as many scares in as possible (laughs) cheap scares good scares like it doesn't really matter but james really takes his time and and it's like he's telling a really good movie which but it turns out to be a horror movie if that makes sense he's not starting from a horror movie template
0: Yeah, he's very, I found that The Conjuring was very, especially by comparison to a lot of, I guess, what my mind goes to when I think of horror movies, I found it was very character driven. Like this, the movie really, it makes sure that you spend a lot of time with its different characters and really understand everything that's going on so that when the horror hits, it actually, you know, um it actually means something because this character that you've gotten to know is now acting possessed. And that means something because we know the characters by that point. And actually I see that with quite a few of James Wan's movies. And I actually wanted to uh, point out this is James. So this is a James Wan movie, but uh, looking at James Wan's filmography, like he's responsible for at least three um, he's he's directly responsible for at least three of the biggest modern horror franchises that exist. Because he directed the first Saw. He directed the first Conjuring. He directed the first two Insidious movies. I guess he directed the first two Conjuring movies. And he's been a producer on the entire Conjuring universe. And it, it doesn't officially say on his Wikipedia page that he's been a producer of every Saw movie. But like, he produced Saw 3, he wrote the story for Saw 3, he directed Saw 1, and like, I'm sure he hasn't been ignored in the Saw movies behind the scenes.
1: <laughs> I would hope not.
0: I I haven't seen all of them. I want to, but I haven't gotten to it yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I'm gonna be honest, if there's a Saw 10, I doubt I doubt it has too much creative integrity left. But, you never I've know. I've heard Saw 10 no is
0: the good one, actually. Not even kidding. Oh,
1: K. wow, okay. Oh wow! Okay, that's good. At least the tenth one is good. I have no idea. To to be clear, I have no idea if any of the Saw movies are bad or good. So um, maybe it is good. But yeah, no. And then also you can. Oh really? Well, he wrote and directed it, so of course it is.
0: It's it's a James Um, Bond movie.
1: Yeah, it's a James. But then, like, and then you also look at his, you know, blockbuster movies. Like he also, you could argue he revitalized the the Fu- Fast and Furious franchise by, you know, giving it by far its uh, biggest movie slash, you know, I'd say it's potentially the best. I think it's second, the second best Fast movie, in my opinion. Um,
0: Furious 7 is for sure top three. And if you ask me on any given day, it will either be one or two for me.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I think you could watch. For me, it's like between five and seven. But yeah. they both offer like... I'd say seven is what turned the franchise into like this, like worldwide phenomenon by like making them into superheroes basically. Um, Well,
0: and I think of the thing with furious seven too is I don't know. uh, Did you watch fast X? Yeah, no. Okay. Furious seven is the movie where they have the song. uh, See you again by, I believe it's Wiz Khalifa. Mm -hmm. That became the unofficial, not even, I mean, barely even the unofficial. That became the theme song for the series. And that Mm -hmm. didn't even come into the series until Furious 7. Like, since Furious 7, every single movie has incorporated that into its soundtrack in some way. Not necessarily the full song, but, like, in Furious 10, they'll start talking about Brian. And, like, the piano version of See You Again will be in the background like yeah. furious 7 i don't think furious 7 is iconic because only because of james wan but it is easily like the most influential fast and the furious movie on future entries and james wan directed it
1: yeah which is like really big and he directed like dc's only hit with aquaman <laughs> so, yeah like he has an impressive. I mean, I'm a little concerned about Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, which is coming up this year, but because I've heard so much weird stuff about the behind the scenes drama. But I've heard
0: like the story they're adapting, and it sounds so hilarious. Like I'm very <laughs> excited for it.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah. I've, at this point, if I had to trust the director, I think James wants a pretty good bet, and I'm surprised yeah. honestly that he hasn't. I feel like he doesn't have as much um n- notoriety I guess you would say as he should have if that makes sense. But maybe it's because I think horror movies are aren't seen as being a uh, too I don't know what the like they're kind of looked down on in a certain way by I'd say like the industry in terms of like you know like horror movies are never nominated for Oscars if that makes sense. Like there's a there's a right. kind of Where they're kind of in the same lane as like superhero movies, where like you direct a superhero movie very well, you're probably not going to be nominated for an Oscar. Um, But he's still like, obviously, he has a great track record. So he's a very good director. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so good for him. And I hope he does some cooler stuff in the future. But I'd also wouldn't mind if he directed a new Conjuring movie too. That'd be very nice. Is he
0: directing the next one? Because there is another one that's coming. Anyway, he's he's got some stuff upcoming, I'm sure. Like, well, this yeah. is this is far from the last time we talk about James Wan. Frankly, like, we'll probably talk about Aquaman at some point. In some way. Yes. The new, the new <laughs> we'll Aquaman.
1: See. We'll see.
0: <laughs> but yeah. anyway, on to potentially... So, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't say that I know James Wan for The Conjuring. But if you look at his filmography, The Conjuring is easily the most successful thing he's ever done. Cause it spawned an entire cinematic universe, which is not common in horror. Like that particular style of cinematic storytelling, I would say has not fully caught on in horror the way that like other movie genres have tried to do. I mean, specifically superheroes have made it work, but like, uh it hasn't caught on in horror yet and yet the conjuring has its own full cinematic universe with uh i think we were counting earlier it's like eight or nine movies um mm-hmm. wild so anyway we're going to talk about the conjuring and i think the first thing i wanted to mention is like i want to summarize this movie but i think the movie itself does a pretty decent job of it right at the beginning it says since the 1960s Ed and Lorraine Warren have been known as the world's most renowned paranormal investigators. Lorraine is a gifted clairvoyant, while Ed is the only non-ordained demonologist recognized by the Catholic Church. Out of the thousands of cases throughout their controversial careers, there is one case so malevolent they've kept it locked away until now, based on a true story. And I think it's easy to base anything on a true story when that true story is a lie. But anyway... What did you think of the opening of this movie? <laughs> like literally the opening crawl.
1: It it's honestly, I think it's really good. It it's obviously I you know I think Star Wars set an amazing precedent for opening crawls that no movie has able been able to replicate since, obviously. But I think Conjuring comes really close. I honestly think it like it does a really good job of setting the tone.
0: I honestly think this reminds me a lot of Fargo. Uh one One, for the reason that obviously it's a lie, but also beyond that, that like this really, this grounds the movie in a way that like a lot of other horror movies just don't even bother. Like Saw maybe feels a little realistic because it's very like the setting is grounded, but also, you know, that this didn't happen where with this, like, yeah you know, you go in and you believe just enough that it happened. And then when other things happen in this movie, like when this movie, the ways that this movie goes out of its way to sort of make things feel realistic, uh, make it really unique. Like I think, um, specifically I'm thinking of when they go and investigate the house and they bring all their ghost hunting equipment and they do things that look like, you know, very professional versions of things you see on like discovery channel, ghost hunting shows. And it's mm. like, Oh, okay. I recognize this thing and here's people that know what they're doing, doing it. And I think that that's uh, you know, I, I think that that makes this movie grounded in a really interesting, well, not a really interesting, like, a, well, an interesting way, but like in a really, it makes it, um, it makes it feel real in a way that something like malignant wouldn't.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I I think it's very challenging to turn. Well, I guess I guess sci-fi movies do it all the time, but like the idea of taking something that really doesn't make any sense and then but being able to turn it into something very that seems very scientific. Yeah, is like is that does take really good writing. Like I I think like a lot of the exposition, um, you know, like the whole when they're investigating the house. And they're like, oh, the the door is slammed three times. And then, like, I think you could easily ruin that line. Like, I think that's kind of a bad line when you think about it. Just like, you know, the explanation is, oh, this, the door shut three times. That's like an insult. Sometimes that's an insult to the Trinity. Yeah, yeah. And like, obviously that sounds like a line that you would hear in like one of these phony, like, phony shows about ghosts, you know, where they're just trying to like make stuff up, if that makes sense. But I think that in like, that, like, honestly, when he says it, I, I find it very believable. <laughs> like, I want to believe him. It's
0: so weird because it's such a corny line and Patrick Wilson doesn't, he doesn't deliver it. I don't know. It's weird because I believe it coming out of Patrick Wilson, even though it's such a corny line. And even the way that he delivers it is kind of corny, but it's also like, no, yeah, okay, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he just, that that's what's so great about patrick wilson is just he there's just this air of genuinity to him Mm -hmm. that um like i i don't i don't even know if that's like it just comes out from him as like from his charisma and you know that's what makes you really buy into these lines he's not like if you had someone that even like the faintest amount was like kind of snickering at these lines (laughs) like you couldn't you couldn't make it work you know but he took it he takes it very seriously and that's what makes you buy into the whole thing. Because if you can buy into Ed and Lorraine as characters, you—they're basically your pathway into buying into the whole movie. You know, like if you believe mm-hmm. them, then you're into it. But if you think they're con artists, which you know they—they they are. <laughs> like, yes, in real they way. are. But like, if you—if you don't believe—if you believe they're con artists in the movie, then you don't have a movie, right? And you know that's what James James Wan is so good at is that like and like is is bringing in these characters that know what they're doing and that's what feels so refreshing about the Conjuring movies. And that, I, I love that like, the first act is just pure chaos with the family, right? Where no one mm-hmm. knows what's going on, they don't know how they're going to fix it. And then when Ed and Lorraine come in, uh, there's just, it's like a safety blanket is put upon you <laughs> and it's like, oh, like, we're okay now, you know, like, they're going to figure it out. And that's, I think that's also makes it a good vehicle for new viewers is that there's a certain level of uh control and the chaos of the horror which i like
0: actually i wanted to talk a little bit about that control but before i do uh do you want to briefly summarize the case that ed and the rain are doing here like what's, sure. what's what the movie's about
1: uh well the house is <laughs> the house is haunted <laughs> and uh there's like a house i think this family buys a house for auction uh, because they're they've come upon some tough times or something. So they buy a really cheap house on the market. It turns out there was some witch, some witch lived there and murdered a bunch of people. So that house is basically cursed, and they live there. So when they move in there, they start. You know, I think their dog dies. Their mom starts to get <laughs> strange bruises on her body and stuff. And eventually it turns into a full haunting where the entire house is going insane at night because they are being... uh, I don't know if there's... There's not really a singular entity. It's like a bunch of different... A bunch of different different people died in that house. So you see a bunch of different ghosts, basically. And No, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, And then Ed and Lorraine are basically called in by the mother. And they... You know, they their job is they're they're set up in the first act. They have a couple scenes where they're basically, you know, ghost, ghost hunters slash solvers. So they come in, they do an investigation, and then the second act is basically them getting, uh, proof of concept of of the haunting so that they can get rid of the demons. And that's basically the movie. And I kind of say the the. I mean, that's the formula of the two first Conjuring movies, if you could call that a formula for two movies. But that's kind of, yeah, that's the effect of the movie. Right. Yeah.
0: Which, like, I think one thing thing that's pretty cool that they set up right at the beginning, because you said, like, there's that formula, but there's sort of an additional structure built into that that really complements it. Right in the very first act of the movie, they introduce the idea that there are three steps to a haunting, which are infestation, oppression and possession. And actually, this movie structures itself around those three steps very well actually. Mm-hmm. Cuz in act 1, you've got this is that's your infestation. That's the first step of a haunting. In act 1, you're introduced to all the characters, how all of those connections aren't really built yet. Like at the very beginning, we're seeing Ed and Lorraine separately from this the, the Perrin family is who they're called. And they're, uh, they're like there's seven of them. I think it's important to point out that this is a huge family. So they like legitimately need a mansion, otherwise they don't have enough room, which is crazy to me. Uh, but like we're introduced to both of them, and that's where like poltergeist stuff starts happening. Like uh, one of the girls will see something silly, or she'll have a new imaginary friend. And, or, like, another girl will be uh, dragged out of her bed a little bit. Not really, but just, like, feels a tugging on her on her um, leg. Or the mom gets, like, some bruises, but it's not too bad yet. Like, mm-hmm. infestation is just sort of the step where there's a bunch of weird stuff happening, uh, but it doesn't really make that... It's It's not really that big of a deal, but also, like, they don't want it. So, like, they're trying to kind of figure <laughs> yeah, yeah. out what's going on. And the infestation step is where, like, you know, stuff is annoying, but not, but the connections aren't drawn yet. So that's mm. sort of in, in the filmmaking, that's where, like, everything is being introduced. And I think it's introduced in, like, a really, really effectively without having to draw those connections yet. In act two, that's where they, like, really get... That's where those connections start to be real. That's the oppression step, which is where all of the annoying stuff that they've been talking about starts getting, like, actually dangerous. Like, the actual, like, demon and ghost stuff that starts happening... that's happening goes from being lightly annoying to legitimately hurting people. Like, the mom is now getting serious bruises. Uh, One girl gets actually ripped out of her bed... Uh, there's a scene which I would still kind of count in this step, but it technically doesn't happen until the third act, where someone falls through a floor all the way into the basement, which is very funny, by the way. Um, but that's where they like actually call in the demonologists, Ed and Lorraine, and that's where we start like learning. Uh, that's where everything starts sort of coming together and making sense. All of those two t- to say when it gets to the possession part of the haunting that which happens in act three that's where the movie goes very very silly like James Wan style very silly monster horror that reminded me a lot of malignant but like that scene, that part doesn't work unless your movie is either extremely silly from the beginning or builds up to it very gradually and I would say it it works the best when you build up to it very gradually which this movie does because like In the final act of the movie, people are like flying around the house, uh, running around, doing superhuman things. It's like it basically becomes a monster movie, but it works. And it's actually like legitimately scary because you've seen because they've spent almost two hours up to this point building up to it and making it like, you know, making these ghosts a real presence that could do this kind of stuff and could affect these people in that way.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, it's uh you know, that's I mean, that's what makes the movie work is that they actually put in those character moments, you know. I love those scenes where, you know, Ed and Lorraine, they they talk I don't know if they talk about it in the first movie, but their job isn't to just <laughs> like heal the the demons. It's like they want to heal the family too. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like they, they want to bring the family together. I think it's it's sort of implied that the family would you know the ghosts will have a tougher time infesting if the family is a tighter unit and more together but also you know it's just it's just more interesting from a character perspective to see a broken family kind of come together through the help of ed and lorraine where you know they're like there's that scene where they're up in the morning and ed's like ed's like cooking pancakes for him or something or i
0: think it was whatever her name is, the, the main, the, the, the mother,
1: the mother. Um, but like, you know, the scenes like that where everyone's up for breakfast, even like the, you know, the cop, the, the non-believer cop, you need to have one non-believer in the movie. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like scenes like that, uh, or where they go and get ice cream afterwards, but which also is, is good because then there's the scene of like the, the mom's alone at home with Lorraine. And so bad mm-hmm. stuff can happen again. But it's it's those moments that really make the movie and the ones that, like, I remember the most personally.
0: Well, and right at the end where the actual exorcism is happening, an important step of that exorcism is Roger Perrin, uh, played by Ron Livingston, like, saying, trying to guide his wife through, like, coming back from the demon. Like, an important step of that is be, is him... Specifically, being like you've got this, honey. You're 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 good. Like the demon can't take you over, and like that. It, it, basically, the point being, it's important that that like the family togetherness. Uh, basically, when you know when you're saying that, that makes sense to me because like the way that this movie portrays it, it's like a broken family is going to have an awful easy is going to be a lot easier to possess than a family that sticks together and is like a strong unit.
1: Yeah. And I, I love that. I think the that's kind of the well, actually, I don't know if I say an issue, but like, you know, I was watching another movie in this cinematic universe, Annabelle Comes Home, which is a pretty good movie. But it's just like it's just like dreadful to watch, you know, like like obviously that's the point, but it's just depressing. You know, it's like a little girl who is an orphan gets haunted and she kind of just cuts haunted over and over again until she's possessed and kills her friends or something. And it's like, I think that was the movie, but it's like, that's just not like, I would never watch that again. Cause it's like, it was kind of cool the first time. I was like, I don't want to rewatch like <laughs> this, this little girl, like slowly, like basically died essentially, right? Whereas like the conjuring you can really rewatch because you know, there's, there's, there's those moments of warmth and hope that really make this, the scary moments hit more, but also, you know, it's like there's there's it's more of a roller coaster, whereas like I feel like so many horror movies, it's just you start here and then you just you slowly descend into madness and it's just not as interesting in my opinion.
0: Yeah, The Conjuring doesn't really work if it doesn't have like something of a happy ending.
1: That too. Yeah, <laughs> the, whole, the whole family dies and it's just what did Ed and Lorraine do? <laughs> you know.
0: Well, I mean, um, and then there's no universe, for one thing. Like, if the very yeah, first yeah. case that Ed and Lorraine do is uh, a huge failure, it, it it's not going to yeah. work out.
1: <laughs> I think it'd be, like, really funny to, like, just have that in a movie, though. <laughs> just, they're, like, in the second, at the end of the second act, the whole family dies, and they're just, like, the third act is just Ed and Lorraine trying to cover up, cover it up, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that basically... Would be a much- escape all blame from the scene
0: that'd be a much funnier first episode in a cinematic universe <laughs>
1: yeah. Jeez. um but yeah no i think that'd be really cool i don't know and uh yeah I'll, well i i don't want to say it's just you know i don't i mean the the moment's levity like the like we were saying earlier with james Wan, he he brings a i feel like a certain level of maturity to the movies like the cinematography in this is really well done a lot of the shots are like i think i feel like he's a very patient director with his shots which i really like you know i feel like in horror movies there can be a lot of cuts to just add some more um tension like like fabricated tension to it but he's very patient i love his camera movements too um they're very smooth and uh like there's just it's like he looks at every scene and he's like, what's the most interesting way we can present this to make it cool to look like scary to look at, but also interesting to look at too. It reminds me of like, you know, Edgar Wright in every shot, he looks for a way to make it funny. But for James Wan, it's like how every shot is like, how can I make this look scarier, if that makes sense?
0: And like, I think, um, this maybe doesn't have as much to do with the cinematography specifically, but, uh, what you mentioned about him being very patient, I think that really shines through in this movie. And, um, it's, it's sort of one of the first things that jumped out at me is there are so many points in this movie where he builds up to what in my mind should be a jump scare. Like he'll build up these, he'll like set up the situation where someone is getting into a dark scary place and then they're about to be like jump scared by something and then he just won't deliver on the jump scare and instead he'll like resolve that scene in a different way that like also doesn't lose the tension so this movie somehow like it ends up having this com- this upward it ends up having like this constant building of tension that you never quite get the relief from that you would in like a jump scare uh, yeah. Which mean which you know makes it so that by the end you're completely on edge the whole time. That's actually you know this is neither here nor there, but that's actually my singular worry about Five Nights at Freddy's that I'm very very <laughs> like hyped for. But those games are based entirely around jump scares, and like you know how is the movie going to be able to keep that tension being based on a movie or being based on a game that's all about jump scares?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to get too much. In, I'm worried about Five Nights at Freddy's too. I'm not gonna lie. But, but we're gonna talk about that. Uh,
0: but we're gonna but talk yeah. about that in depth because we like that. That was one of the first things we said in October is we're doing the Five Nights at Freddy's yeah,
1: movie. we're excited. We're excited. Um, yeah, no, I I think that that idea of never knowing if it's gonna end in a jump scare is really cool, and it's, and it's not always like the jump scares either. Like there there's just a, a certain level of dread as well. That builds yeah. that I like. Because I, I think, you know, that's important for a horror movie too, is just that feeling of like things aren't gonna go aren't turning out well, something bad's happening. And uh I I feel like well, okay. I, I think it works really well. Like I I think this the second act mystery stuff is really cool. I, I like how it s- switches the pace up and they're trying to like I lo- I love the addition of the cop and I don't know, like the assistant i guess like their dynamics really fun too i, keep thinking
0: I feel bad his name is Greg. What Greg? Is Greg? <laughs> honestly it drew. could be it's true drew.
1: Drew. Uh, true drew's the cop or the
0: drew is the not skeptic. the assistant he's like the, the university character okay
1: yeah i love their dynamic a lot and uh i think it's just the second act is just very fun to watch in my opinion and there's there's still some scares obviously but like mm-hmm. it's it's really good the third act I kind of... I mean, I loved it the first time, but on rewatches, I just hate... I think it's just a personal thing. I hate the screaming the mom made. Like, it's just annoying at a certain point.
0: I find And I don't the, know how you um, felt on
1: first watch. Maybe you thought it was flawless because it's the first time, but I've seen it, like, six times, so I'm just, like... Every time I get to the third act, I'm like, I don't want to deal with, like... Yeah! <laughs> for, The like third act minutes. is
0: very silly, and, like, I think that... I think the third act... I don't know. The third act falls off. It's not as interesting as the other two parts, because in the first yeah. two parts you've got like, well, like for one thing, the third act is where all of that build up to a jump scare just ends up resulting in not usually a jump scare, but like whatever it's building up to, like you never get that. It never just cuts away to something else. Cause like in the first two acts, you know, there's something in that, in that house, you know, they're possessed, you know, that like, something scary exists and then james wan keeps denying you that something scary so like it it Mm -hmm. keeps building up this tension the reason that momentum never falls off is because you always know that there is something there that you're just not seeing like that thing didn't decide to come out today um but in the third part You have uh, the mom screaming, she's puking blood, she's sometimes turning into a demon, she flies across the house. It's like, no, I get it, like, it's fine, and you've built up to this, so it does kind of work. But it isn't, I don't know, it's like, it, it works because it's a payoff for everything from the first two acts... But the first two acts in retrospect, like looking back on it, feel more rewarding specifically because they're denying you what you want. And the fact that you actually get it in the third act is like just slightly disappointing because nothing could live yeah. up to the expectations he sets in the first two acts.
1: You're like not it's sure not I wanted to it.
0: <laughs> It's still good. But like it feels like whatever he could have delivered in the third act was never going to be an, a real – was never going to – like, just wouldn't, just can't possibly pay off the incredible heights he builds up to in the first two.
1: Yeah, I I think the... One of the problems with the third act might be that... I think they make the family too incompetent. And that... Because it's like... I don't find the mom character. I I just find the mom character like okay. But I never like you know it's like Ed and Lorraine you like love you know like they're fun. Mm -hmm. They're fun characters. They're charismatic. They're interesting. They're nice. Like there's so many good personality traits. I don't like I've seen this movie a lot. I don't really know what I call the mom or the dad. They're they're just normal. You know. (laughs) Yeah. That's all I can say is like normal mom and dad
0: is the guy from Drinking Buddies.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> like, like literally, they're very, very straightforward. The same thing with the family; it's just a bunch of, you know, scared people, and that's where the third act disconnects because it's like they they kind of set it up in the second act with like, you know, like the mom's like, oh, like my favorite day was like us on the beach, just running around. And that's a little corny too, like that whole thing. Um, it's like really a day on the beach, like. <laughs> Never mind. I, I I think it's 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 kind of cute, but if the if they had more personality to them, I think it would have made for a better third act. Where I'm like genuinely like, oh no, like I'm scared for the mom. You know, I really like that character, but at the third act, I'm just kind of like this mom's annoying. Like she was really, I just kind of find her stupid at that point, <laughs> which I feel bad about. Damn. But like, it's like the way the movie frames them.
0: Oh, well, actually. Like, I wanted, to, um, I wanted to sort of talk about that. Have you seen The Exorcist?
1: No, I should. Oh, damn,
0: because I think that it would be really interesting to compare the exorcism in this movie to the exorcism in The Exorcist, which uh, I'll still try and do, but it's going to be very difficult if you haven't seen it. But like, what do you think the demonic possession means in this movie? Like this is based on a true story, supposedly. So like it's just recounting events. But what's the purpose of there even being a possession in this movie? If you think about it.
1: Well, it's so. Isn't it, I feel like it's so that uh, Patrick Wilson can have his moment at the end, right?
0: No, for Did sure. I'm, I'm, I mean, I want to. I want to point out. There's no right or wrong answer to this. Oh, okay,
1: okay. Yeah, I was like, like, wait, this sounds like a yeah. test. <laughs> Oh
0: no, it's it's not a test. There's no answer to this. <laughs> I'm saying this uh, specifically so that I can build up to saying something about The Exorcist.
1: Okay. I, I'd say it's there just because it's it seems like a very natural way for a horror movie like this to go, I guess. And Fair. also, it, and it like, gives Patrick Wilson his character arc completion of doing, doing an exorcism that he's scared of doing.
0: And like, um, I don't know, a- another thing in the world of this uni- in the world of this movie is there ever any doubt that like spirits exist and can be malevolent in this movie like in this world i would say no mm-hmm. like definitely they have there definitely this is a movie where ghosts exist and demons exist and they can possess people and i think that i actually read a really interesting article about or a really good review of uh the Exorcist. It was a review of the new Exorcist, but it incorporated a lot of like review elements of the recent of, of the first Exorcist, which I will link to in the show notes. It's by Alicia Moogle, um, but anyway, uh, it pointed out that in the first Exorcist, in that movie, it is possible. It's a, it, it's a it would be a weird argument to make, but it is possible to just argue in the Exorcist that everything that happens is like that there's a rational explanation that there it's are fake. no ghosts. There are no demons. It's just like, it's not that the exorcist is fake. It's just that like the, they needed a priest to perform this exorcism to like, you know, um, I don't want to say, I, I'm not sure exactly how to say this, but the, anyway, the point being, uh, every, everything that happened could be not supernatural. And the point of the exorcism in this movie or in that movie is, is in a lot of ways to like make the people in the movie doubt their faith, like whether or not whether or not everything was supernatural or um, or not. Yeah, whether or not everything was supernatural. I think it's interesting that there is a question there, but ultimately everything that they have to do to under to do the exorcism sort of. Uh, also finds them like grappling with their faith and their belief in God and whether or not those two things are even right. Like at at many points they necessarily have to doubt that a God could allow something like this to happen. And in this movie, I don't think that the exorcism is that deep. Like there's just nothing, there's not that much to it. There's a demon. uh, He pukes some blood and patrick wilson who is not allowed to do exorcisms has to do an exorcism because there's no time left god damn it they got to do
1: it yeah yeah well i i guess it's mm, like what makes this movie so fun to watch is also maybe what stops it from going that extra lot mile is that it's it's essentially like a blockbuster movie. yeah so you like they have like the, the ending they they kind of want they don't want to make you think at the end of the movie <laughs> too much you know which is, you know, is unfortunate, but I think that's just what James Wan envisioned. But
0: That might be like, for me, that might be the, maybe maybe that's like the bad thing about this movie, and I would say Malignant, which is the other James Wan movie that I've watched and really liked, is they're really interesting concepts that he delivers on really well, but I don't think they're that deep. And like it's not that there isn't a lot to latch onto. Like you can still, I still definitely like think that the characters of Ed and Lorraine Warren here are very well realized characters. They're really well acted. There's a lot in this movie. That's like, it's not, it's not a vapid movie, but by the end it's like, there isn't, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't think it's that deep. I don't think there's that much. That's that much deeper than like this very cool concept executed on very well.
1: Yeah, I, well, I just, I think if you, because the problem is, is that to, like, Ed and Lorraine in real life were very likely con artists, you know? I don't, I don't
0: know if you can even say very likely. Like, I think it's, it's, I think they were just con artists. heavily.
1: So, but the thing is, is that, I don't know, because it's like, if you think too deeply about the movie, uh, I don't know, maybe... Because I I think it's 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 part of what makes the movie works too is is that you have to trust Ed and Lorraine completely you know you if they say ghosts are real the movie doesn't work if you're like ah oh, maybe ghosts aren't real in this universe you know um, yeah or like if anything they say is slightly off then you start like because because they again like in real life there's this precedence of like these guys are con artists right mm-hmm. I mean I don't know how many people actually know that in real life. Um, or know about them before the Conjuring movies, like I didn't. So maybe it wouldn't have yeah, even matter. But like that—that that idea is that like if if you start, it's like you know, if I'm watching an Iron Man movie and it's like, hmm, like Tony Stark beat the bad guy at the end, but what does that say about like the war on terror in Afghanistan or something? You know, like he was well, selling like, weapons.
0: I would I would it's say like, the yeah, first Iron Man actually deals with that a little bit it's subtext but it's it's yeah well
1: but it's like there but then by the end of the third act it's like but no i i get what you're saying now it's like there isn't any of that throughout the movie right there's just kind of the non-believer but then he's just immediately disproved very quickly in the second act right so yeah i get what you're saying and i think i I guess that's a very common element in a lot of other horror movies because that it's there's that doubt right of like oh is this person? actually going insane or is it in their head you know like in the in, in the invisible man which is a really good yeah. movie there's throughout the whole movie there's like is this guy actually invisible <laughs> like is this is mm-hmm. is she going insane and you don't really know until the end right yeah um and there there is none of that in this movie you're like this place is haunted it's very well- evident that this place is haunted
0: I read like um, this is just going to be really quick, but I read a uh, I read a Reddit post the other day <laughs> that was like, "Us makes literally no sense. It only works as a metaphor." And I'm like, "Wow, crazy! You've described movies. Good work." <laughs> <laughs> and like, I guess I guess the main I guess, I guess like the main difference is I don't know that this movie works that much as a metaphor, which is fine. Yeah. It doesn't have to. Yeah. Um, it's it's a very different type of movie, which I think is, um. Not a knock on James Wan at all, because I think he's very, very good at making this type of movie, and I think he's made this type of movie a couple of times, and thereby, uh, well, not not made this movie a couple of times, but made like this kind of movie several times with Malignant and The Conjuring and Saw, and uh, birthed modern horror from it. Like Saw has ten movies the conjuring has almost 10 movies insidious has like five movies like these are huge franchises that just came out of james one because he's really good at telling a story that's like a story like this
1: yeah well I, I haven't seen insidious so i can't speak on that yeah no he he has i mean yeah he made he made unique he made unique movies in in the horror movie universe and he kind of revived the genre i'd say so Uh, you know, he did very well. And I think part, you know, again, part of, part of what makes it so good is, is Ed and Lorraine, Patrick Wilson. And I I feel like I haven't praised Vera Farmiga enough. I've been all over Patrick Wilson this whole time. Vera Farmiga is also insanely good, if not better than Patrick Wilson. Like, I I just say they're both, they have so much chemistry. And
0: she's very much like the heart of this movie.
1: For sure. Yeah. Like, I, I just like their dynamic of like, you know, Patrick, Will, or Ed is, like... Um, I don't know how to say it. It's, it's like he's there, and he's he's just trying to help her as much as possible. But you can tell there's, like, an element of, like, he's kind of lost. Like, he doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, which is nice, because that's... You see why they rely on each other, because they both have skills that the other needs. And they both have a very natural chemistry with each other. And, um, like... I don't like, honestly, like, there's not too many main characters for movies that are so easily like, especially in horror. I can't believe I'm talking about this like horror movie protagonists like this, which is, it just blows my mind. Like, I can't think yeah. of any other horror movie protagonists that I really like. Cause it, especially cause <laughs> like a lot of the times are just really stupid, you know?
0: Well, I was going to say like the first thing is we're talking about competent horror movie protagonists, which is yeah. not the norm. And like, yeah. Beyond that, this is like a this is not just competent horror movie protagonists. They're two people that don't work unless they're a team, and it's very clear why. Like you see mm-hmm. Patrick Wilson going out going out on his own, and he can't do what he needs to do in that house because he is missing an essential skill that only Lorraine has, only Vera Farmiga has. Mm-hmm. I should probably start calling them Ann and Lorraine, not yeah. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, but like yeah. still same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it it's like it, it makes the movie click. It's what draws us in. Like that's why if they're not in that first act, too, there's no build-up to like them coming in, right? It's just a basic horror movie. So yeah. Um, I you know, I really, I really like those aspects. And it's it's just cool to know that like this is another first case too. Like there's a they have a very rich history of stuff you know mm-hmm. like that that set piece of the literally the room full of haunted objects that they have is like really scary and um is, is it in this movie where annabelle comes in too in right? it?
0: the opening of the movie is them giving a presentation on the annabelle case yeah but and doesn't she come like, in
1: later with the grandma and the daughter
0: very briefly yes
1: Briefly, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, li- I like I the idea of like the ghost is like, it's like they're smart and competent, so the ghost has to, like, tackle every angle they can to kind of get it Ed and Lorraine, too. Mm-hmm. Which is, and you know, actually, I think it's just... I
0: really, oh, sorry. What I really no. liked about the Annabelle part in this movie as well is that the way that it's presented, it kind of feels like it's not even Annabelle doing that. Like, it's the ghost from the other house uh, Mm -hmm. just terrorizing Lorraine and her family because, um, that would be the easiest way to do it. So, (laughs) you know, take over Annabelle in heavy air quotes.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I I like how it's kind of, it's not, you're not really certain, like what exactly is going on, but you know, they're in danger, you know, like, I don't know if it's Annabelle's still active or what. Um, also I have to say seeing Annabelle in small doses is much better than, Having a whole movie around Annabelle because it's really tough to make a doll ghost work, I'm not gonna lie. Um so yeah, Chucky I think like the small work,
0: but for oh, one movie. Chucky.
1: Um the first one is yeah, good. so
0: the next one is more more than
1: one Chucky movie?
0: I think there's like five, maybe seven. Oh wow, geez. And like <laughs> okay. they the thing is they work at after the fir- the first one is a very it's it's kind of funny but it's it's very like it's a serious horror movie and the ones after that lean very hard into the camp very quickly and mm. so the whether or not you like them is entirely dependent on whether or not you can get behind like an extremely campy chucky movie which feels mm. like nothing else would work but also sometimes the chucky movies don't work
1: i wonder why <laughs> uh <laughs> What what did you think of the other, the like the main villain? I guess not Annabelle,
0: um, the demon. Bath, I think her name was Bathsheba.
1: Is that the witch? Is it's the yeah. witch technically, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who possesses the mom.
0: <laughs> I thought, I thought her backstory was a little funny. Like, um, <laughs> her 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 backstory is that she was tried in the Salem witch trials or she was going to be tried in the Salem witch trials. It's, I think they explicitly state it, and yet I'm still unclear. Because what I heard is uh, she had a baby, drowned that baby, and then cursed the land and hung herself. And when they're explaining, you know, why would she, why would she do that? Why would she have a baby and then immediately drown it? She's like, well, you know, some witches, they do that. What they do is they, they're using their God-given gift to have babies, I guess to uh to spite god by killing that thing right away and they think it brings them closer to satan and i'm like okay like if someone said that to me in real life i would be very it would be very clear right away that they're an idiot and a liar but okay very, cool
1: very long-winded way of saying she didn't want the baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: i'm like okay dude <laughs> sure
1: yeah uh, um, yeah well that's then,
0: uh... It reminds me a lot of superhero dialogue. Yeah, it's it's very silly. I think that like, I think the interesting and the cool parts of this movie are in the present day, obviously. And I think that the possession of like the actual creature that's possessing them is not interesting. Like, I think she's just a very silly character that. You know, her motivation is that she's evil because she likes Satan and is bad. And it's like, okay, so she's not, she's not that deep. And that's okay. Like, you know, when I was watching Maleficent 2, Mistress of Evil or whatever, the first thing that jumped out at me was Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty is evil because she's bad. Like, yeah, you can get more into that, but sometimes that's all it takes Like, sometimes you just need a character who's bad because we need our good characters to be good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think she's effective, but
0: I think she's very silly.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I guess we don't really get any... She's just kind of like a presence. We don't... We don't We don't get the scene of Ed and Lorraine interrogating the demon and, like... I don't know, every time I think of, like... Like, oh, the villain and the heroes have to meet. I always think of, like, them meeting in an interrogation room for some reason, like in Batman. Um, that's the only scene I think of. So now I want to see a scene of them interrogating <laughs> the demon, and, like, like slamming her against the wall or some speak demon. Um, but yeah. Um...
0: Uh,
1: so you haven't seen any of the other Conjuring movies, right?
0: No, this was my first Conjuring movie and so far my only Conjuring movie. I'd like to see the rest, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, have you? I know you've seen two. Have you seen the I've rest? I've seen
1: two. I've seen three. or It's not called three. It's like The Devil Made Me Do the It. The Devil
0: Made Me Do It.
1: Um, I saw Annabelle Comes Home, but I haven't seen The Nun 1 or The Nun 2. <laughs> and I haven't seen... L, what's it called? Is L? There's like some Spanish name.
0: Uh maybe. The Curse of Ya of La Llorona is. Yeah. I think it's like implied to be in the universe. It's not an explicit yeah. connection.
1: There's, I think they reference Ed and Lur... or maybe Ed has a cameo in it or something, something like that. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> but yeah, I. Or maybe that was in The Nun.
0: It stars... The Curse of La Llorona stars a guy who was in Annabelle. Oh, or Like, okay. Yeah, he's reprising his role from Annabelle. So that's that's why it's, oh, it counts as being part of it the counts, universe.
1: It counts, technically. Um, oh, I forgot. I saw Annabelle Comes Home, too. That that has Ed and Lorraine in it for, like... I think they're in it for, like, the first 10 minutes. Because it's, like, it stars their daughter, essentially.
0: Oh, okay. Who
1: I think that she has like a house party. <laughs> she has a house. <laughs> now that I think about it, the concept sounds really weird. They have it. she has a house party at Ed and Lorraine's house and someone opens the the Annabelle the Annabelle case. That movie's oddly like I can't believe Ed and Lorraine were in that. And I like completely forgot about that movie. But I don't think it was bad. I don't remember it being great. But yeah. Anyways. But yeah, no, it's it's uh I, I, I wish they, they did more with that franchise, but to be fair, I haven't seen the nun one and two. Um I, was or, say, I haven't seen say like you, half the movies.
0: You say you wish they did more, but there's nine movies in this franchise. Like I, they're doing
1: a lot. When I say more, I wish they did more with like Ed and Lorraine, I guess. That's all Yeah, fair. I don't like I ha- I have no interest in seeing the nun because it just sounds like a basic horror movie with one of the the demons from the Conjuring 2 you know it's a very scary demon but like i didn't watch the movie for the demon i was watching it for ed and lorraine um yeah yeah i i think i do like i like the second like from what i remember the second one is pretty good i like i like how they make the family like one of the characters that's possessed is a lot more interesting than in the first movie so i think they do Mm -hmm. a better job of that of like making you care about the person being possessed so then in the third right. act, when they are possessed, you're kind of like, oh, no, like, I don't want them to die. Whereas in the first movie, I, like, didn't really care if the mom died at that point.
0: Yeah, it's um, like, yeah, I don't want anyone to die because dying is bad. But I don't know this character very well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, and, yeah, in that movie, they 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 set up a very good connection between the, the person being possessed and Ed and Lorraine, um, mm-hmm. which is better. But I think the third act kind of suffered. And... What was it? The third movie, I do, I think it was cool because they turned it into more of a uh, mystery thriller than a horror movie, straight up. Where Which I there... think are
0: the, um, I think those are the strongest elements of this movie, is where they're like trying to solve the mystery.
1: Yeah, I definitely say it's the weakest movie, but they needed a way to have the character, the main characters, but make it, but make it different and not just another. Because the second movie is basically just the first movie again. I'm not complaining, but I think doing it three times might have been a little too much.
0: Well, and I'm seeing now as well. The devil made me do it. Uh, being quite different in that way makes sense because it is the first one not directed by James Wan.
1: That too, yeah, and maybe that's why it's also the worst one. <laughs> but maybe, maybe. I just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's one of like it's—it's it's a watchable movie, and I, I liked—I liked some of the concepts as it added. Definitely not as memorable as the first two, though, uh, which is unfortunate. But you know, it's the way it is. But yeah, I I, I I like I like that James Wan was able to kind of build a universe out of it. It doesn't seem like he has any interest in it anymore, though. Like, you know, he was off to DC he's, stuff, and
0: he's he hasn't still, directed
1: much lately, right?
0: Um, he, he slowed down wrote a lot. The story for Megan, mm-hmm. and he directed Malignant two years ago
1: which oh, all right, yeah. uh, if haven't you seen haven't seen
0: one, so. you you should it's very good it's like right. it's it's like the conjuring but cheesier but that's a good thing mm. like yeah, i don't first... i don't know if, i don't know which one i like better necessarily but malignant is very cheesy but very good
1: yeah i kind of hope he comes back for one more like an official conjuring three just because i'd like to see like in i don't know if you can really add end and ed and lorraine's arc because you know they're obviously going to keep doing that stuff but you know just some kind of conclusion
0: like in real life lorraine lived long enough that she was a consultant on the first conjuring so like oh wow you know you can you can keep going but like eventually you're just gonna run up like there's never gonna really be an end yeah
1: that's fair well, how do you feel about the whole based on a true story? Like, it, it kind uh, of rubs me the wrong way, in my opinion.
0: Oh, it definitely does. I Like I said at the beginning, it's easy to say it's based on a true story when you lie. Like, obviously, <laughs> it's, it's it's based on a thing that Ed and Lorraine definitely wrote down and said happened. Yeah. Like, but, you know, I don't know. No part of this rings true to me at all. Uh, yeah. So, like, it's... Well, I think... I think, I think that if anything, I mean, I tried to separate the based on a true story from my enjoyment of the movie, because if anything, it made me enjoy it. It would have made me enjoy it a little bit less because I know it's not a true story Mm -hmm. or at the very least, like, so like in real life, the context around this story, I haven't looked into this story very much necessarily, but like, I know that Ed and Lorraine Warren are like, widely known as scammers and they are like the worst kind of grifters that I know of I don't like them so uh when I see that it's based on a true story like it's based on something that they said happened but I don't but I know that they lie that they're just liars like they're not they're not credit they're not like trustworthy people so of course it's not a true story I think, if anything, it rubs me the wrong way because, like, there may be people that see this and just take it as a true story instead of taking it as the story it is. Uh, which, you know, it may or may not be an actual issue. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. But I think that, like, it's a fun, it's a neat story that's worth, like, it's a neat story that I enjoyed a lot as it was told to me. And part of the reason that I enjoyed it as much as I did is because I am not tied to the idea that it might in fact be true because I don't think it is. I think it's like, it's, yeah. I, I think it's a funny story that Ed and Lorraine made up.
1: I, th- I think there are probably very, very few people <laughs> that watch these movies and were like this, this happened, but I like, I get it as like a framing device of like, well, maybe it did. You know, it adds a little like a little part of well, you when you see that as like, oh, like this this did happen, you know.
0: Um, it reminds me of like of of Fargo that you mentioned earlier, um where like all of the 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 movie Fargo starts with this is a true story. And I think that um, uh, the I think the the show always every episode starts with that too and it's not it never is in fact if you, like behind the scenes they will just say flat out no this isn't a true story we just made that up but them saying this is a true story the reason they do that in fargo or at least part of the effect that that builds is that they're showing you a story that's so weird and like wild that you know no one could have possibly made it up and they did but like by telling you it's a true story that's sort of like That sort of, it puts you in the world a little more. And it also like makes it, it makes even the more absurd elements of it feel a little more, a little more wild because you're like, wow, this is stuff that really happened. Even when you know that's not the case. And so I think that that's a little bit of the effect that this is based on a true story gets to here. Except, I don't think this this movie is like weird and wild enough to capitalize on that particular effect of what those words can do.
1: Yeah i i I feel I feel like yeah, as a framing device, it works. I I think with Fargo, it feels a lot better spirited because it's literally not based on anything. Like yeah, like they just wrote a story and they were like, "Oh, this would be cool if we just said it was a true story." Whereas like mm-hmm. the Ed and Lorraine thing, like they literally had Lorraine, the person consulting on the scripts in the movie. I don't know to what extent, but there is this She's genuine... in the movie.
0: She's not a major character. Oh, in, but she has yeah. a cameo.
1: So there's like this genuine, uh, like desire for, to make the viewers believe that Ed and Lorraine are legitimate. You know, like yeah. they literally hired her. Um, they have the pictures at the end, which again, I think are haunting too. Cause again, a part of you is like, oh, well, like, this is kind of creepy, you know, like this all happened. Um, But yeah, I, I it just feels a little like these are people that were potentially scammed slash. I don't know if people died in, in Ed Lorraine's mysteries or whatever, but
0: I don't know about this one.
1: <clears throat> no, not this one. But yeah, it, it feels a little like that to me. It feels a little gross and but it's just it's a good movie. So I, I think I, I overlook it a lot. It's one of those things where if it was a bad movie, I think it would easily be a way where you could like shit on the movie. But it's such a good movie that everyone just kind of overlooks it, you know?
0: So the last thing I have for you is... Uh, now, I remember you telling me when you were like, let's do The Conjuring, that you said it was a classic horror movie. And uh, I want to I wanna know why. What, what makes this movie a classic?
1: Well, from what I can tell horror was definitely in a very big slump in like the late 2000s, early 2010s. And The Conjuring was a very big part of showing studios that you can make a lot of money from a horror movie for very little for very cheap.
0: And Um, I think that like, maybe importantly to that, because I remember that a big thing for exactly that point was Paranormal Activity, which is made for like 500 bucks. That's Way, over, way understating it. but it was made for basically nothing and made like a four thousand percent return at the box office. But importantly, paranormal activity was extremely low budget and like, yeah, it made like- uh, made its money back. But yeah. like paranormal activity showed that you could make something for no money and get and get like insane returns, where mm-hmm. this also had a low budget. But it was like more blockbuster friendly, like yeah, people people would go to see this who weren't like I want to go see the weird experimental horror movie.
1: Yeah, like Which, this is something I you could know, take Paranoid. your friends friends to. Yeah, but Paranormal Activity is like uh, a lot of people might not like it or connect with it. Yeah, no, I, yeah. so I think it's that he kind of like blockbusterized horror movies in a way where you you could easily like this is an easily mass watchable movie. You know, like I could watch mm-hmm. this with my family if I wanted to. You know.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um which is really smart i think he added like i said earlier a certain level of maturity to movies and maybe that's why i think in some cases we've seen some very successful talent come out of horror movies or also do horror movies like i don't know if this is a good example but like i'd say robert robert eggers uh did the witch like a couple years later um and he's like an amazing director i i there's more examples i'm like midsummer You know, like, I think it turned horror movies into a genre where you could have a very insane level of critical success and uh, talent behind the horror movie and also make a ton of money, you know?
0: Well, you were only mentioning directors before, but I think that it's not insignificant to bring up Patrick Wilson himself. Like, Patrick Wilson has... He's been a working actor for a long, for a long time, and he's been he's had starring roles before this movie, and he's had starring roles after this movie. But I think The Conjuring, like, kind of, I think it really like ended up defining his career in a lot of ways, because he's been a constant presence through this universe, and he recently directed the most he. Directed the most recent Insidious movie, which was his directorial debut. So, like, just sort of, I don't know that he's like, I only, I don't think he's the kind of person where he's like, I only do horror now. But he, Mm -hmm. like, really found kind of found his calling in horror through this movie, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, a a lot of other, I don't want to say a lot of other, but like his, you know, the idea of the, of a horror movie universe. Like I think he was the only other person to really make the universe movie universe idea work other than Marvel. And he kind of did it accidentally too. Like it wasn't like,
0: I don't think that's like a thing that existed that existed before this and mm -hmm. barely exists after. Like I can't think of another horror movie connected universe right now. I can think of very big franchises like Mm -hmm. Saw has a spin-off movie that is still within the universe of saw but that's one movie where the yeah. conjuring like has three separate series going that all connect and they don't connect quite in the way of like infinity war but they are like an actual cinematic universe
1: yeah Which, yeah, I think that's just really impressive that, like, they literally basically brought him on and the guy who did Shazam on, I can't remember his name, but because the guy that did Shazam did Annabelle 2, I think it was, and they were trying to use their template to make the new DC universe, which is, like, just crazy to me that this guy making horror movies, like, ended up, like, they were like, we need this for our superhero franchise that we threw hundreds of millions of dollars at, so... Yeah, like uh, I, I think there's a lot going on for James Wan. I, I wish there was more effort into making, you know, more characters that we can love and appreciate in horror movies. Cause again, like I can't think of any other protagonists in horror movies that I like. But in terms of, you know, that the level of cinematic storytelling that he brings to the franchise and the universe, I think that's what makes it definitely a classic of the 2010s. And I'd I'd say a classic overall, because, Mm -hmm. yeah, horror movies, horror movies have ebbed and flowed throughout public consciousness. But like that, this huge wave of popularity in horror movies for the past 10 years and all of them making lots of money, I'd say most a lot of it is directed towards James Wan and the Conjuring franchise.
0: And like whenever a new Conjuring movie comes out, even when it's one of the spinoffs, you at least hear about it. Like for sure. Yeah. these movies don't fall under the radar. Mm-hmm. Do we want to rate this one? I don't know if we... I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Sure. I'd say
1: it's like an 8 out of 10. It's just, honestly, it's just a very solid movie. Yeah. Which for a horror movie is impressive. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd put this at like a strong 7 for me. Understand. It's... Uh, yeah, I think... I don't know. Like, there are... It's not like a perfect movie, but I can't think of like anything that I really hate about it. No. There's like yeah. it's it's very good. And I think that uh, I mean, I always love Patrick Wilson and things. I've said his name so many times this episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm just glad to see him in another movie that I also enjoyed.
1: I'd never be mad so. to see him in a movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. same. I'm, I'm going to be exci- I'm excited for him to be in the next Aquaman movie because there's no way he's not going to be in that one. Yeah. So so uh, what's our what's our last word, Pierre? Patrick Wilson. <laughs>